Good afternoon and welcome back to the EJS show on the Liberty Block. The show is being recorded live and will be available shortly after its close as a podcast. We invite anyone listening to us as a podcast to join us live on Zoom or by phone and share your thoughts. We also invite listeners to share questions, comments, and feedback to our email address at ejsshow at protonmail.com. Good afternoon, all, and welcome. Hey, Jody. Everybody. Hey, everybody. Okay. Looks like our overseas correspondent is not going to be coming today. So we'll have to go uh, slow on the foreign policy stuff. So I just want to rant for a couple of minutes. As I think all of you know, I drove up from the Florida Panhandle yesterday, spending a week in what most of which was actually America-like which was incredibly refreshing. People say, good morning, how are you? Look at you, smile at you, which for New Yorkers, all of which could get you in lots of trouble. Um, what bothered me on the trip? Going into Georgia. Georgia, I believe, is a red state. And I know that one of the things I talk about where conservatives and libertarians sometimes differ is police. Georgia was like a beehive of police on the road every five minutes, there was somebody being pulled over. That drives me crazy. Second of all, I have another thing that I kind of look at now when I travel. When you enter a state, there's always a welcome to sign. Then in the first two miles, how many signs are there that warn you of how many laws you're about to break? And I really, really detest them, including, I forget which state, littering is $1,000 or prison. And of course, the obligatory do not text and drive, do not speed into this zone, do not go near an emergency vehicle. I find it A, unbelievably unwelcoming and B, very, very Gestapo-like. It's almost like, are we free if there's 14 signs telling us all the laws we're about to break? And then there's probably, well, I'll get to my biggest beef in a second. Florida is supposedly one of the freest states when it comes to COVID and Ron DeSantis is definitely in the top three governors in the country right now, as that goes, I was surprised how many stores and businesses not only had signs up for masks, but pretty much all the servers, people behind the counters, cashiers, et cetera, were wearing masks. Some of the signs may have just been relics and very few places were enforcing them, but far more people were wearing masks than I expected to. And I think that's part of this conditioning. It's, you know, we almost have to convince ourselves to take them off, not to mention the confusion of, do you need them? Don't you need them? And nobody's really sure, which I think is worse in other parts of the country. I tell you what, we'll talk about those things really quickly. If anyone wants to comment, then I'll get to my big beef. I do. I think, I think oh. these national chains, uh, order their employees to do things. I think mom and pop shops don't care. So, uh, you know, if you have a big company, they're, they're ordering their employees to wear masks just to be on the safe side. We were also in a lot of mom and pop type places where it was surprising, you know. I think the, the thing that, that grabs me about your comments, Steve, is, is your characterization that people are conditioned to want these masks. And, and that's the part that, that really that I think is important because there's so many libertarians in particular that say, you know, we just have to let the free market work. 
You know, the free market has been distorted, though. You know, it's no longer have, free. Huh? It's no longer free. Well, right. I Unencumbered. Mean, I mean, theoretically, it can be you can it can be freed, but it's already been distorted. So you you already know what the outcome is going to be when the government has been lying and manipulating things for 15 months, you know, to, to not do any kind of uh, cleansing of what the government has done for the last 15 months and then just say, well, you know, let the free market determine we all know that there are going to be a lot of businesses and a lot of people that are going to act based on this wrong information that's been given for 15 months until this sort of a decleansing or, or cleansing of, of that bad information. It's, it's a little unrealistic to just say, Oh, let the free market work. Um, you know, maybe that, you know, maybe they needs to be uh, you know, some sort of liability reform, you know, something, some explicit statement from the government that, Businesses won't be liable for transmissions of COVID within them if they don't if they don't have masks. Um, I don't know, but I mean, there's also people wearing masks because they don't want to be thought of as conservatives. Well, so sort of people uh, doing it for that reason. How, how, do, you, how do you prove where you got it? <laughs> yeah. Well, why are these businesses worried about what kind of liability concerns do they have? I mean, they're they're afraid they're going to get sued. Well, is it that or is it virtue signaling? Well, listen, so from my understanding, over half of adults in America have been vaccinated and about a third are have their um, immunity protection through having had the having had COVID. That's a lot of people who have protection. And so as I see, as you did, Steve, so many people wearing masks, I'm asking myself, why aren't you vaccinated? You know, in my, we've had the vaccination vaccine available for quite a long time. So why aren't they vaccinated yet? And if they're vaccinated and still masking, that's where I'm like, really, that's where you start to worry. People have lost their ability to reason and they really are just functioning either from uh, virtue signaling or irrational fear. Jody, can I tell you something? I, I actually had a telemedicine doctor appointment this morning and the doctor was wearing a mask. And while she's wearing a mask, she's telling me how important it is to get the vaccine. And I just, I laughed at her. I said, why are you wearing a mask if you have the, if you have a vaccine, if you got vaccinated? Why are you have, wearing a mask? What, did she answer your question? Me? Huh? She that said, oh, to protect really all the other people around the office and but no, she couldn't answer the question. It was preposterous. I mean, the, the level of stupidity, not even stupidity. Well, I mean, insofar as the vaccine has any uh, usefulness, seeing people mask up after they get it just defeats the whole purpose. I mean, it makes- You know what? It, I, I hate to, it, it makes a mockery of science. It, it really does. Like if we're really gonna just ignore science, I mean, that really does just make a mockery of what, of science, the scientific process, what the science says. It's really tragic. Well, I think it's tragic that we're not thinking. Right. That's what's tragic. We're wearing a mask because we've been wearing a mask. It was really funny because we were walking in the door of a hotel and there's a sign up on the door, you have to wear a mask. I had already been in and out and the people working there were, but the people walking around weren't and no one cared. And there were two gentlemen 
behind me. And the, the one most behind me is like, says to the guy in front of him, you know, it says you got to wear a mask. And I said, man, nobody cares about it. And he was so happy. It was like, oh, my God, we're free at last, free at last. <laughs> and then we joked about it. And we clowned around about six feet apart, et cetera, et cetera. So I think, I'm not even sure if some of the signs, like I say, are just there because they were there. And I don't know. You know, it's one thing to stop wearing a mask. It's another thing to take down these signs. Do you have any idea? There's millions and millions of signs, millions and millions of plexiglass walls and these plastic things hanging up in between people. And when are people going to have the guts to go that far to actually take things down? And I really wonder about that. Like, how is that going to happen? I doubt that people will take any of those things down. I, do I mean, in, in, in given that someone will say, well, it could help prevent the spread of flu or the cold or things like that. Um, but I, I do, you know, I can say this because she's not here, but my wife is completely irrational about these things. She still wears gloves when she goes into stores, you know, nitrile gloves. And I'm like, you know, they've proven that it doesn't transmit through fomites for well over a year. And, uh, and she doesn't care. And she'll still wear a mask, even though she's vaccinated. And, it's like, and she's like, well, I don't want people to think I'm a jerk. I'm like, but <laughs> and it, I think that's a big part even when you weren't vaccinated. It, it, it's like peer pressure to the nth degree. I mean, that's mm -hmm. that's the problem. I mean, you know, you, you have people who say you're going to get somebody else sick and they still think that it doesn't matter if, if you might have had the vaccine or not. It's a total, totally irrational. I mean, I had a friend that was in a, in a retail store and some other person chased her around the whole store because she didn't have her mask on yelling at her that somebody died in some other state that she knew. I mean, this is what we're dealing with. I'm not even worried so much about stores. I'm worried about how other citizens are, are going to still act towards us. Well, I'm wondering if that's part of what's going on with the airlines, which again, supposedly through September, you got to wear a mask. And I know Buttigieg apparently said it's out of respect, whatever the heck that means. And it could be that some of these unbelievable fights on airlines um, are happening somehow because of people yelling over masks. I don't know, I haven't flown and I really do not want to fly. Has anybody flown here in the last year? I'm going to fly on Monday. You're going to fly on Monday. So that'll be your first one. Yeah. Yeah, I flew in October. We flew to go get the cats. Um, it was fine. The trick to flying um, is always be friendly to the flight attendants in the gate people just be friendly don't be a jerk just be friendly and if they ask you to put your mask on put it on and then you say oh you know i need to eat something right now is it okay if i take my mask down to eat something and they'll say oh sure but if you like are militant about it then they're they're going to hate you so i mean the, the thing is always just be nice to the that, that, that only works they have an awful job. Fly the and, friendly skies, right? Yeah, I mean, it's <laughs> fly the friendly skies, yes. I think that only works with the staff. If you're sitting next to or across the aisle from a Karen who puts pressure on the staff, I think that's where the troubles are starting. You know, you have one person complaining. Yeah, I mean, if you're sitting next to a Karen who is, who is complaining, then uh, the, my suggestion is get out your phone and start recording because you've got yourself a viral video there. Yeah, I don't know if that's my life's goal. You know, so this sort of gets me to my main beef from Florida, which 
personally, I could talk about forever. So you guys can shut me up. So we go to the state park. Um, it's actually a really cool place. I think it's pronounced Wakulla Springs State Park. It's somewhere on the panhandle of Florida. And nobody's wearing masks anywhere. And then you walk around and you get to where the boat is supposed to go off the dock. And there's a really, really nice, I'd say, upper middle-aged white park ranger dude who's incredibly friendly and smiling. And he says, on the boat, you have to wear a mask. And the obvious question is why? And that's because the boat belongs, the boat, the minute you're on it, you are in federal territory. Literally, when you climb one step into the boat, you are regulated by the federal government and there's nothing you can do. When you step down that step, you are regulated by the state government and you could do whatever you want, tear it up and like he says, set fire to it. Now, mind you, we're on this tremendous lake. There's probably 100, 200 people on this kind of makeshift beach. There's also a tower where they're actually letting kids and people jump from, I'd say, a 20, 25 foot tower directly into the lake, which I can't imagine that happening in the Northeast because of liability as it is. No one up there is wearing a mask as they're jumping into the lake. But the minute you climb onto this boat, you're in federal territory. We are regulated by the Coast Guard. Now, I want to know how in the world does it happen that states have no sovereignty over their own property? Well, I don't really remember it from law school too well, but it's the, the navigable waters doctrine, something about the federal government, I think, has uh, jurisdiction over nav navigable waters, but I don't really know the details. Right, and what I'm asking is, I think that's a fancy way of saying theft. We do because we said we do. And what I mean is, Florida, I believe, was at one point not a state of the union. Am I correct about that? Yeah. And then they became a state of the union. And then at some point later on, the federal government said, guess what? You're a state, but we're taking some of your property. And call it whatever you want. That is what happened historically. I don't think that's how it happened. I think that the navigable waters uh, doctrine is, has always been a part of federal law, I think. So you think that when Florida applied to become a state, they said, okay, but we're going to not be a state in X, Y, Z, A, B, C, D, E, F, G areas. I find this unbelievably difficult believe, to believe because I don't think anybody in this country even knows how unsovereign states are on their own land. You're in a park surrounding a lake and one foot is in the state and one foot is in federal territory. And that means that DeSantis, who's fighting the cruise lines, but there's nothing he can do to fight the boat. Because if you're on the boat, you're in federal property and you're off the boat. Does this not sound absurd to people? Am I the only one who finds this outrageously absurd and wonders why do states want to get their rights back? Is this really what America started out states? And by the way, nobody will disagree with me that the states formed the federal government and not the reverse. Mm -hmm. And if that's the case, how did the federal government get the right to steal so much property, not talking about Indians, that's a different thing. But this is literally, your property is ours because we say so. Well, what I mean, the hell right does the Coast Guard have in Florida? It's not guarding the coast. There are, there are two issues, of course. The, the states uh, leased and or um, not gave, but allowed the federal government uh, to use their property for various improvements like forts and, and whatnot. And when um, the states seceded before uh, the Civil War, 
uh, basically the federal government ceded every fort to the local um, authorities except for three, one of which being um, uh, the fort just north of Fort Sumter, which with this captain, this union captain who refused to give it up, uh, he then moved to Fort Sumter. Um, but I mean, it was always understood that the federal government doesn't have any uh, property outside of the District of Columbia uh, until the Civil War. But the second thing is, there is no federal rule, and there wasn't last week, that you have to wear a mask if you're vaccinated. Um, but I think what happens is, even if the president says something, it then has to go through every level of government till it gets down to that captain of the ship. And at every level, there can be someone who says, well, this is just guidance. I don't have to like do that. I can keep it as restrictive as I want. And so at some point in that hierarchy, you got someone who said, well, I think you still need to wear a mask when on this boat. Um, it, but there was no federal rule. Uh, so, um, well, Javi, there must have been a federal rule because I even asked him, like, how does this happen? Bottom line, how does this happen? And he says, the way he understands it is he gets notified by the governor and the governor's office and they get notified by some federal office which sends a letter to them and then they send a letter to them and they send a letter to them. And this guy obviously is paid for and works for the state, but the state tells him what his orders are and his orders are to comply with the feds. Now, Ed Powell, you're talking my language here because I've been arguing for a year that the president of the United States has zero power. Um, I actually believe that if everybody reads thousands and thousands of articles and listens to thousands of hours of news and podcasts, they will agree with me. When the president of the United States tells his chief of staff to have something done. His chief of staff tells his deputy, who tells the head of an agency, who tells his deputy head of the agency, et cetera. And you just nailed it, Ed. At any one of those levels, people say, yeah, 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 and they don't bother doing it. And that's what happens to president's orders. And presidents don't walk around all day saying, have my orders been carried out? And presidents don't walk around all day firing chief of staffs and cabinet ministers because one thing never trickled down all the way. So I happen to agree with you on that. So yeah, whether, it's basically the, the bureaucracy will leap to obey the president's orders if they want to, and they will delay and mm -hmm. deny. And, and um, we're getting to it, sir, as soon as we can uh, and do that for months and years if they don't feel like. Somebody was saying the other day that that's actually what happened with the president and Christopher Ray on certain issues as he would. He would say, yeah, no problem, Mr. President, we're getting to it, we're going to do it and not bother. And then what are you going to do about it? But I'm really, I don't understand this whole property business of, and I guess it's states have just allowed and allowed and allowed and allowed to the point is you're walking into your own backyard and we know, like this guy even mentioned it, you know, that that Navigable Waters Act was extended to puddles in people's backyards, which became federal property. What's going on here? Well, it's an unconstitutional law. So, but it's um, still the law, and people in uniforms can still shoot you for violating that law. And that's really, really crazy. And it's, it's just, you're standing in the middle of a place that's half state and half federal. And by the way, what's interesting is nobody else seems to give a hoot. Now, last year, there was a, a, a Supreme Court ruling written by Gorsuch, 
that basically said, oh, yeah, half of Oklahoma belongs to this Indian tribe. You remember that rule? Yes, yes. Because we had a treaty back in 1840 or whenever it was, or 1880. And, uh, and oh, well, we've got to obey these treaties. It was like, I, I, first of all, I found that completely absurd. But second of all, um, okay, if we're going to obey things from back in the 1800s, then why don't we obey the fact that the, the government, the federal government has absolutely no uh, ability to own any land outside the District of Columbia. How about that? Uh, because they own half the West, half of the well, West. I know it's staggering what they own in the West, and I don't know the history of each place, but yeah, it's staggering. Well, the history yeah, traces back to the Louisiana the Purchase. Yeah. So, I mean, no. Of what? How does, how does Wyoming belonging to the federal government go back to Louisiana Purchase? The federal government purchased all lands west of the Mississippi from Napoleon in 1803. Okay, and when Wyoming became a state, somewhere it says we're a state except for the half that you're keeping? Yeah, but there's a doctrine that the states are all equal, though, uh, Ed. And so when Wyoming became a state, it inherently had all of the power and the uh, sovereignty as Delaware or Pennsylvania or New Jersey. So there's no second class states in this country. Correct, but the federal government still had title to the land. That's, no, that's, it that's never had title to the land. It, 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 it bought it in the sense that it paid money to Napoleon uh, in, in exchange for a treaty saying that the United States had sovereignty over the land, but it didn't own the land. I think it did. Well, this is quite interesting, um, this discussion, and I'm sure one or both of you can look up, has this been addressed in the courts or books or whatever. What is the reality here? Do they own the land? You know, in Israel, they have a very complicated system. Um, I don't fully understand it, even though I lived there for a long time. But I believe most of the land there is owned by, I don't know, some kind of fund or something. And it's very different from here. They actually do own the land. Maybe it's a national fund or one of the funds over there. And that goes back to pre-mandate, et cetera, et cetera. But this thing in the United States is quite fascinating to me. And what does that mean they had title to the land? Do I buy it from whom? Like I go to the Department of State and buy it? Well, it's that in some, some states, the federal government owns a very high percentage of the land. I think... Uh, no, we know Nevada, it's staggering. It is staggering out West. I think Nevada, they own like 97% of the land. Idaho, it's like 75 or 80%. Um, you know, lots of those states, the federal government has uh, title, has full, has ownership of, of the lands. Well, and that's just that's the, the same Louisiana way. Purchase. That's huh? the same way that some guy in, uh, in, in Annandale has title to my old uh, uh, car radio. I mean, he seized it. <laughs> he has title to it. Um, but the, it's not it's not legitimate. Um, you know, in the secessionist movements, this is one of the things they talk about the most. If anything ever started to really happen is what do you do with all this land that supposedly the state doesn't own? But I'm just having a lot of trouble figuring out in what sense is a state sovereign if it's not sovereign over whopping percentages of, quote, mm-hmm. its own land. What do state's borders even mean? And I mean, the national parks, which I haven't been to many of them, I assumed is basically a sign you are entering yield national park. And now I guess you're subject to some sort of federal laws and no longer protected by state laws. 
I have no idea. I mean, in a state where you can smoke weed and you yeah, go to a federal park true. and you can't. So I guess you're in a totally different jurisdiction. Yeah, and I've been not- to plenty of uh, national parks. They're all pretty. Um, but yeah, that's basically it. You're under uh, federal jur- jurisdiction. I mean, not that that's right. I'm just saying that's. I mean, and it's, it's, it's just absolutely ridiculous. But again, to be in a park where part is and part isn't, and a boat is, but the lake seemingly isn't which I don't understand. And what in the world has the Coast Guard got to do with it? How does this happen? What is the deal with the cruise ships in Florida? Because once they're in Caribbean waters, they can do what they want. It's like when there's gambling on the ship, you can't do it. Well, yes and no. Um, Yes and no. They, They can do things that are permitted by the federal government. So you can't like go on a cruise ship and then they break out the pot or the cocaine and let's have a cocaine party now we're 12 miles off the the coast they can't do that but since gambling is allowed by the feds but is restricted by the states then they can do a gambling um because it's allowed by the feds well wait a minute and to go to your issue why can't they have cocaine parties what gives the united states government any authority on the high seas um, well, of course, you know, it, it, it doesn't, but they basically say, hey, you want to dock in our ports? You got to obey right. our rules. And these cruise ship companies are based in the United States. I suppose if you had a cruise ship company that didn't go to the United States, that went out of a, you know, a country that doesn't recognize the U.S. bullying on drugs, which is pretty much every country, but let's assume that there's some country that doesn't obey it you know, Colombia or something. Um, I suppose you could. Um, okay, so we know DeSantis, I believe, is in court now as we speak on this cruise ship issue. This is a very hot issue. The cruise ships have been given permission to start sailing, I believe, in July. And either by, I think, by government mandate or by their own agreement, they're only letting vaccinated people on board. DeSantis says that is illegal in the state of Florida. I will not allow it. And it's a CDC rule that says that uh, they have that that if you you have to wear a mask unless you're vaccinated and that the the cruise ships have to check and see if people are vaccinated. And whereas Florida just implemented a no vaccine passport rule and DeSantis is suing to have the CDC rule uh, terminated or revoked. Um, if the rule is proper, I'm not sure how his, he's going to win under the supremacy clause, but. Well, I mean, how does the CDC get to make these kinds of rules? They don't get to make any rules. Well, that's probably DeSantis's argument, but. Um, yeah. And, and oh, by the way, who gets the procedures act too, right? I mean, suppose the CDC was in fact granted legislatively the power to make these sorts of rules, which I doubt, but let's assume that they were. They have to go through the Administrative Procedures Act and put it out for public comment for 90 right. days, none of which they've done. So right. it's and all of Trump's stuff got uh, overturned because of alleged technical violations of the Administrative Procedures Act. So I don't see why you can't use that same argument against Fauci and, and the CDC, except the judges aren't judges. And, you know, they, they don't. Actually, I mean, consistency is not their forte, right? I got to ask a really stupid question because I sort of asked this question while I was down in Florida trying to pick arguments with lawyers there just because I have fun doing that. 
DeSantis has jurisdiction over the state of Florida and I guess the docks where these cruise ships dock, but nowhere on the cruise ship, once the cruise ship leaves, even by a foot, I would assume. So if he would say, you cannot ask about passports, and they say, no problem, but when we were a foot off the dock, if you don't have a vaccine passport, we're sticking you on a rowboat, would he then have zero jurisdiction over those boats? He could then say, well, you don't, if you do that, you can't dock back here at the end of the cruise. So right, but I'm saying, but he wouldn't have jurisdiction over what goes on even a foot off of his dock, is my understanding. That's true, but if you ever want to be docked again in Florida, he has a lot of power. So this is a power play. There's nothing about justice here. This is all very much who can exercise power. Well, I'm going to ask you a question, Ed. I'm going to take your point further. Where does it give the governor the right to tell people where they can dock? Um, well, I mean, you know, I, I don't necessarily ag agree with, you know, ordering people around, whether by the government. I mean, if I, listen, or the, I, I got my question. The federal government is limited to those powers. It is granted in the Constitution that the state governments have what was considered general police power to regulate on the basis of health or, or whatnot. Well, I don't know, regulate or legislate. Yeah, yeah, legislate. I mean, I assume what, I assume the the, the non-COVID passport was an actual bill that was passed in the Florida legislature and signed by the governor. So that um, that probably was, although I, I really don't know, but let's assume uh, that, that was. was. That so was, okay. And the CDC stuff wasn't. But if I own a cruise line and I own the whole dock area that I've built for my own cruise line, what gives the government to say the right to say I can't dock there even? Well, you know, I don't in think principle, you do own the dock. Not, nothing, right? What's that? I said, I don't think you own the dock. That was your, you said that if you own the dock. I can, I can, dock. I can own a dock. Yeah. Right? Probably not for a cruise line. Why not? Why can't I? You guys ever hear of Canary Wharf? No, I mean, you're right, Steve, that in a, in a libertarian utopia, you would own the dock and you'd own the ship. No, not a utopia. There were people who are worth billions of dollars. The, the Reichman family, which at one point was one of the richest families in the world, I guess this is 20, 25 years ago, lost like billions and billions on something called Canary Wharf in London. I mean, yeah. if I'm Michael Bloomberg, I can own a dock for cruise ships. And Bill Gates can own a dock for cruise ships. And he can buy all that land and build as many docks as he wants as many cruise ships as he wants and then what gives the government the right to say what i can and can't do i think what happened is that the state and federal governments have seized all of the ports in the country and um have leased it back to companies so i i don't i don't think uh, you know like the port of uh fort lauderdale which which i've been to a bunch of times um that's probably owned by the Port Authority of, you know, Miami-Dade County or whatever. And it's probably leased to Royal Caribbean and Celebrity and, and Norwegian and all these other cruise ships. Um, and the same, like the mm -hmm. cruise ship terminal in Newark, New Jersey, Port Liberty, is owned by the Port Authority of New York and New Jersey. And that's who owns it. And they lease it to 
Royal Caribbean. Okay, but my yacht, my yacht is parked behind my house, okay? And nobody leased it to me, and I own that marina where my yacht is parked. And if I want to keep you off my yacht, if you're not vaccinated, would you admit the governor has no authority over that? No, he does no authority, no. Okay, go ahead, Ed. Guys, the the local governments can tell you how much water you can have in the toilet or your bathroom. This is a this is a if they pass a law, they can. I agree with you. And I'm sure that there's a law in the books that authorizes his action. I'm sure it's not an ultra vires action. I, I can't Who's, cite the statute, but I'm sure he's acting pursuant to some statutory. DeSantis? Of course. DeSantis, I believe, is. I believe he's one of the only people who's following the rules. Okay. I'm I'm just but taking every argument further. I think every state that has ports is going to have some sort of legislation that allows the government to to regulate those ports. The same way that this, like I said, that they regulate how much water you can have in your toilet. They can they regulate how many you know watts in your light bulbs. I mean, what kind of light bulbs you screw into the into your bedroom and, and toilet. I mean, if they can do that, they sure as heck can can regulate cruise lines that are entering ports in, in this on the border of the state. I mean, you know, we may not like it. I may not like that, but I, I, I don't see how it's even arguable that they don't have that power under today's law. Well, they took the power, and I think we lost a big one when we gave them light bulbs and toilets. Um, I think we gave up all our sovereignty, uh, sovereignty when we allowed them to regulate the water pressure in the washing machine. You guys remember way back when you could fill up a washing machine in like two minutes? I mean, nowadays, washing machines don't have water. I realize that. But if you still have an old-fashioned washing machine that actually fills with water, they used to take two minutes, and now they take 10. Am I jogging any memories here? I mean, I know that the water flow restrictions really piss me off. They piss me off more in the toilet than the washing machine. But And they made fun of Trump at the point, you know, because he actually talked about it. And you know what? We shrug it off. But because we allowed those things to happen, we're now powerless to pretty much stop any. So even the federal government, which clearly took all these rights for itself, you guys have a stronger argument. Yes, states can legislate whatever they want. I can argue whether I like that or not. But the federal government, when they took all of these things, I mean, geez, a whiz, I am probably violating 10 laws right now because please do not report me. There is an unwrapped um, mattress on the side of my home right now. Now, for those of you who live in New York, I don't want to know how many laws that violates. Did you rip the tag off? No, even if if you rip the tag off, it's federal. But if that thing isn't wrapped, you're violating some kind of bed bug law. You aware of that? Well, no. Yeah. So again, going back to the feds, how many laws they've succeeded in getting that we no longer fight? Well, look, I mean, they, they've usurped how much power. We know that we have centralized power that, that was never intended. And not only that, they siphon it off to all these agencies and it's all regulation. It's not even law. I, listen, I think what DeSantis <laughs> is doing is phenomenal. I think he, he's literally fighting tooth and nail tons and tons of things right now. To my knowledge, he's the only governor going toe to toe with the feds right now. Is that is that true? As far as I can tell, maybe a little bit. So, in Texas. But I'm not sure. Yeah, Texas too. But I, I think the other part of this. What is I'm Texas? Thinking. Abbott's not doing anything in Texas. What is he doing? No, he's but being uh, 
He's being endorsed by Donald Trump, who once again is endorsing a winner. But I, I think we're also veering into the, the other big picture item here, which is they're creating division, a two-tiered society where if you're vaccinated, you're free to do whatever you want. You can get a, a beer and a shot in New Jersey and a pat on the back, and you can get into a Mets game if you get a shot be before uh, entering the stadium. But the rest of us are pariahs. And we can't even get on a cruise ship. You know? One might think an uh, equal protection challenge to that type of two-tiered society might succeed. But um, they're, private, they're private businesses, the Mets. Well, we, we've already talked many, many, many weeks about how the government is implementing unconstitutional policies through its friends and big business. Mm -hmm. and it's not, so, I mean, you know, it's the same issue with the vaccine passport thing. And it's happening in the reverse. There's a California place that I think is charging $5 if you're wearing a mask just to put in an order in some kind of restaurant or something. Hey, yeah. Jody, Jody, you said you're going on a flight. What do you have to do? Did they tell you you have to have a shot or you have to prove anything? I have not gotten that information. I was planning. I, I don't know. I haven't looked into it. You have to but wear I was planning on wearing a mask. You have to wear a mask when you're in the airport and when... You're on the plane, except when you're eating or drinking. Um, if you're nice to the flight attendant, then no one will. And if they say, oh, could you put your mask on? Then you, you immediately do it. No one will make a big deal about it if you are sipping a soda for a long time. A friend of mine just flew back from Hawaii. He said uh, the flight from Honolulu to Boston was 11 hours. And he was not wearing a mask for eight of those 11 hours because he's nursing a, um, a drink. And so basically what you have to do is to the, the most important thing in flying is not to be a jerk. Just, you know, okay. be but, nice and do what they say. But at some point they're gonna have to change things. They're not gonna make people wear masks forever. Well, I think they might. I think they're going to try, of course, even though uh, on the, the, on the Fauci emails, the Fauci emails are going to, um, <laughs> you know, are going to change the dynamic a little bit. Um, but I think they are going to try to, which is funny because the airplane air is the cleanest air you'll ever breathe. But um, I think they're going to try. I, I, was, yeah, I think the opposite, Ed. I, I think that this is starting to wind down. Yeah. And that's why last on last week's show, I talked about, I think Fauci, they're getting ready to throw Fauci under the bus. I think those emails are going to be part of that, that whole process. Um, but I think, I think that this has sort of run its course for them. They've milked this crisis. I think they realize that they've milked this crisis for as much as they can. They might be able to get more, but I think that they're looking big picture. They're trying to foment the next crisis. And in order to foment the next crisis, this one kind of needs to be over so that we relax, we get back to normal life. And then next year, the next crisis is going to come. That's, hey, that's can you speak for a moment? We're referring to these emails. Can somebody just highlight what, what you think are the worst things and what's, what's going on with these emails? Um, well, I mean, Fauci's emails were foiled by, I think, BuzzFeed in the Washington Post, and then they were dumped onto Scribdy and people are looking through them. I mean, the, you know, the two that I thought were important was, you know, one where he, he repeated his original statement that he didn't think masks were very effective, which is true, but he's, he was right for the wrong reasons because 
Um, and that's too complicated to get into right now. Um, but the other one that was interesting is on January 30th of 2020, he was uh, told that there were things in the virus's DNA or RNA rather that could not be explained other than by being engineered. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, he just wrote back, thanks, you know, thanks for the info or something like that. Um, but it's really interesting that, that on January 30th, 2020, he had evidence and it's really very strong evidence when you look at it, that the virus was engineered. Um, but then when Trump mentioned it, you know, a few months later, everybody jumped down his throat mm-hmm. and, uh, and when, you know, it, the first time that got out to the public was on April 22nd, 2020, when Yuri Dagan, the, the molecular biologist, wrote a big, a very, very long article about um, all the evidence for it being man-made. But it really didn't break until, you know, two weeks ago when Nicholas Wade wrote that article for, I think, uh, Bulletin for Atomic Scientists and Medium at the same time. So, I mean, of all people, he, he has to suspect at a minimum that it was engineered. <laughs> you know? Yeah, and right? that email go- contradicts really his vo- vocal statements of, you know, all signs point to natural. I mean, yeah. I well, watched I him- called up Peter Daszak um, and asked his opinion. And Peter said, oh, no, no, it's definitely not engineered, you know. Um, and uh, it was like, oh, okay. Yeah, it's not engineered. I don't think Fauci is oh. that bright. I don't think he is either. Ed M., you're the one who said last week and kind of convinced me they're going to, quote, throw him under the bus. By that, you mean they're going to fade him away or is he actually going to get into any kind of trouble whatsoever? Um, I don't think I think it's too soon to tell. I mean, he's 80 years old, so I don't know how much legal trouble he's going to get into. Are they are they going to throw an 80 year old man in jail other than Trump? I'm not sure that they would do that. Um they might. Um, it's, it's not clear. I think, I think it's going to depend in part on how angry the, the American public gets when, when the full truth comes out. Um, but I think that the interesting thing about it is Biden is bought and paid for by the Chinese. So this is going on. The, the Chinese either are getting pissed off by it or more likely, I think the Chinese are OK with what's going on. And I'm, I haven't really figured out exactly why, other than maybe the Chinese are looking to do something and they're looking to distract us with, uh, you know, with focusing on Fauci. And, you know, I don't know. I mean, I don't know, because if they go and invade Taiwan next year after the Olympics, you know, and, and the American public is already whipped up in a frenzy over the Wuhan lab, it makes war more likely. So I don't know if the Chinese are looking to have a war with us. I'm not sure, but I think that's the interesting angle of that part of the story for me. Um, I haven't read that much over the last few days, not as much as I usually do. My sense is that more and more of the left-wing press is saying, hey, Trump may not have been so crazy. There may be something here. Is that sort of what's happening? I haven't heard, see, heard or seen any press people give Trump any credit whatsoever. Mm-hmm. No. Uh, it's, it may, it's, they may we, be we, out there, but I don't know. It will never happen. We no, they're actually saying with East Asia. We've always been at war with East Asia. I don't know. I've because I have seen stories where they're saying they even have journalists saying, "Had it not, <clears throat> excuse me, had it not been Trump, 
saying this, we may have actually investigated it more early on. So oh. I can't cite where who said that, but I know people are saying that kind of thing. Um, well, with the press talking about it more, uh, and going back almost to the masks, are Americans so dumbed down that they'll just shrug that off? Or are people going to get incensed and enraged? And instead of blaming Trump, you know, they blamed Reagan for killing people with AIDS. So is it possible instead of blaming Trump for killing everybody with COVID, could they ever turn their rage on the left? Is that even possible? I think it's possible, but it's going to depend. I mean, it's not, it's not guaranteed and it's going to depend on you know, what the rest of the evidence comes out. Um, but I also think, I think it's also interesting that, you know, the Washington Post is one of the, Washington Post and I think BuzzFeed were the two uh, requesters that did the Freedom of Information Act requests. Why was the F Washington Post doing those? Oh, no, that's, that's easily answered. They, they want anti-Trump, um, they wanted anti-Trump uh, statements by Fauci in private. That's, well, that's easy. That's fine and good, but why are they releasing stuff that that destroys their own narrative unless the leaders of the whole movement have decided, okay, it's time to move past this. You know, I mean, the New York Post story on Hunter Biden had a lot of verification. It was out there in the press. The Washington Post could have reported that, but they chose not to. Why, why are they reporting on this? And I think it's because I think they're trying to bring an end to this, uh, to the COVID crisis. Um, I, I also noticed we didn't talk about it last week, but they brought home, they're, they're bringing home the troops from DC. Um, I, I think that they're looking to, to move on to, to a temporary phase of normalcy so that the next crisis can be brought into to full purview. That's what I think is going on right now. Well, what do you think, Ed, is, is the lasting ramification of this? Because The lasting ramification of what? Of the, of the COVID crisis, right? The left never lets a good crisis go to waste. But, and well, they, we, we've seen historically things become permanent. And I know you've they, mentioned that. They've so. learned how easy it is to corral everyone. They gathered a lot of intel, right? right? There's that. Right. I mean, is that, is that the only thing? They shut down the country. They kicked out a pre They got a president kicked out of office. They control. They they over uh, overthrew the voting system. I mean, they got they, a lot they done. The groundwork for for some future, you know, for for some future work that they can do. I mean, they, they've set precedents. Okay. With Fauci, I don't. I think he's. I think. I mean, who knows, but I kind of sense that he's still really liked by a lot of people. And I think it, whatever happens, it's going to be quiet and not a huge thing. My sense. I don't know. I think that there are a lot of people that dislike him. I mean, Rand Paul saying some bad things about him. I even saw some uh, some quotes from some Democrat members of the House that were critical of him. Well, I'm not surprised by Rand Paul, but it seems like people, the general people still love him. And even if, you know, oh, he got this wrong. Well, he did his best and he didn't know everything at every moment. You know, there's, I think there's going to be a lot of rationalizing. Yeah. But the, one of the emails that Ed Powell mentioned, you know, the one where uh, 
it was clear to him on January 30th of yeah. 2020 that uh, evolution wouldn't explain this virus yeah. and that it had to have been mechanically uh, engineered. Mm -hmm. um, once people understand that, I think that they're going to see him in a very different light. I hope so. Um, and, and I think, like I said, you know, as I was alluding to a, a minute or two ago, the fact that Washington Post is one of the you know, leaders of this story tells me that the, the left wing press is all set to pounce on him and is all set to bury him. And once once he lose, you know, once the Washington Post and New York Times and L.A. Times and all these other newspapers start pounding on Fauci, how long is it going to take for people to turn on him? Not long. to I don't think long at all. So don't you think that's going to throw a little bit of a problem for future credibility of the left in general? I mean, they that's ushered him in as this major savior. They they gave him oodles of credibility when other right. people were saying, wait, wait, maybe not so much. So well, the next crisis, why are they going to be believed? Well, that's the risk to them. And I think that's part of I have two answers to that one. That's part of why I think they're going to really throw him under the bus. They're, they're going to say, they're gonna it's say not a they were duped by him. Right. They're going to say they were duped by him. But then, you know, another part of the answer, you know, I look at, you know, Michael Mann was was shown to be a liar. Michael Mann of the hockey stick fame for for environmentalism. Uh, you know, Mark Stein humiliated him in court. Um got a judge to not only throw the case out, but award attorney's fees and ho-hum, you know, nobody really cares. Um, and, you know, ClimateGate, you know, thousands and thousands of emails came out showing and proving that this was a, a gigantic hoax. Um, but people still believe it. People don't even understand that it was, a, that it's a hoax and it's a lie. So it all depends on, you know, what the left-wing press wants to sell to, to its consumers and you well, know their consumers and are I, I'm gonna, I'm going to have a hard time thinking that they're going to be you know overtly hostile to Fauci. I think they're going to quietly. No, they're going to ride him off into the sunset. Yes, really, what's going to be? Thank you for your of, services. Bye bye. Yeah, maybe make him a dinner. I, I think it's going to be a little hard to scapegoat. He's going to be on CNN. I don't know how many of you read the article from The Guardian I shared in the show notes, but that's really, and The Guardian is a left-wing paper, and they really hammered home that if Trump was right about this, everything is shattered. Our belief in the liberal press, our belief in, in everything is shattered right now. Do you All think, I mean, I, I, from your lips to God's ears, I, I can't even wrap my head around that being possible. I don't think it will happen, I think, because of what Ed M is saying. You know, one of the things I used to argue a lot about climate change until it was a high of 51 in New York on Memorial Day weekend. Do you know what percentage of people who worship climate change have never heard of a hockey stick? <laughs> Try asking them one day about the hockey stick and they look at you with those glassed eyes and have no idea what you're referring to. I don't know what you're referring to. <laughs> and I basically say to them, if you don't know what the hockey stick is, I have no interest in what even. What do you talking. mean? Like, are you, you talking about something other than a hockey stick? A hockey game? stick is yeah. the graph that basically proves the temperatures were the same for 14 billion years until about 50 years ago when it went, whoops, up like that. And they call it the hockey stick graph. Uh, and that thing was the big farce. 
and everything centers around the hockey stick. And people have never heard of the hockey stick, yet they're out there saying that climate change is going to destroy the world. They never heard of Michael Mann. They never heard of what, what was the name that that college in, uh, was it England? Oh, um, something where Asian. Came, where the emails came from. Yeah, um, what's the name of that place? Royal. Uh, they never heard of any of this stuff. Something, something Anglia, Anglia. Yeah, East Anglia, I think, yeah, right. Yeah. So the people are so unbelievably ignorant. So I guess that is what, you know, Ed, you're bringing up a good point, that they will do the same thing. They'll just sort of. Well, that's happened. what happens when you deny debate between, you know, transparent debate about the science between the scientists. That was one of my first things when I started to come through the fog of the left. And that was one of the first questions was, wait a minute, why is it that I've never actually seen the scientists debating climate change? Why is it that I know about scientists who say, no, that's, it's not man-made. I only know them through the prism of caricatures from politicians and media pundits, but I've never actually seen debates between the actual scientists. And that, that's where I got, you know, really angry that, you know, look, we should, we should be privy to watching this, this thing with COVID we should have had the scientists debating the science in front of us real time so that we had the opportunity to really process and listen. But, you know, there's a reason why they deny that debate, and that's because they know they'll lose it. Well, they set it up. If you deny climate change by definition, you're not a scientist. And that's, yes, that's set all, up. And the same with COVID. And they set it up by COVID. If you deny what we say, you're not a scientist, you can't get published. And then we say... We don't have to believe you because you've never been published. Which is anathema it, it, to intellect, the evolution of the you know intellectual mind. It's totally devolves us back into you know. I don't know. Look, I mean, it, it, it's it's not just scientific debate that they're trying to shut down. Oh yeah, shut down right. All debate with us. <laughs> That's what you do when you know that you'll lose the debate. You refuse the debate. That's my little thing. I was trying to get going. <laughs> when you refuse the debate, you lose the debate. But that's why they don't want to have the debate, right? Well, they want to control right. us. Mm -hmm. They want control. It always comes back to that. Yes, it does. <laughs> Ed, you wanted to say something? Either Ed. Uh, I'm, uh, I'm muted right now because of the vacuum cleaners going on. You're not muted. You're not muted. You're unmuted. Well, I'm muted now. I've unmuted myself now, but I'm going to mute myself again so the audience doesn't hear vacuum cleaners. <laughs> we may want to hear vacuum cleaners. No. That was the nickname, of, the nickname of my childhood hero who played third base. Who can name him? Uh, Greg Nettles? Brooks Robinson. Brooks Robinson. Thank you. We have one educated patriot here. Baltimore baseball only exists in ancient history. I want to mention another story, which is very peripheral to this, but I think worth mentioning. It's the second case where this has happened in an English court. I put it in my show notes here. They want, there is a child who has some type of terminal illness in a British hospital, and the parents want to take him to an Israeli hospital. 
And the courts have once again ruled you do not have a right to take your child out of this. That is just so terrifying. The second one we've heard about, it is unbelievably terrifying to say you can't take your child out of a country. This is where I push back on this notion that these people in those nations have a right to health care. They do not. Their their right to health care is it's it's an oxymoron. They clearly their rights to health care have been taken away, not given. If you have a right to health care, you have a right to health care. Very, very good point. Yep. Yes. Well, who is this? The government that's big enough, strong, big enough to give you something is big enough to take it away. I forget the exact quote. Children are the property of the state. I no. think that's been the. What language was that originally said in? Children are the property of the state. Probably Spartan version of Greek. <laughs> okay. Uh, but I mean, that's the that's the idea, and that's the idea in the United States too. I mean, yes, we're a little bit more protective of our children, a little bit more protective of our children than uh, in some of these um, degenerate European countries, but not a whole lot. Are you saying that because of education or why? In what way are they the property of the state? Ed. He's muted. I know, I keep losing to a vacuum cleaner. What does that say about me as a person? I'll tell you. Apparently uh, you suck. <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, I think education is the uh, most obvious uh, uh, reason, but it's not so much the state wanting to educate the kids. It's the state insisting that they educate the kids and disallowing parents from educating the kids. Uh, there are states that ban homeschooling um, or the states disallowing parents from having their children opt out of various, uh, you know, uh, let's say controversial things. Uh, currently, critical race theory is in the, the news as a possible thing to, uh, I don't want my kids to learn that uh, anti-white racism or, um, you know, sex, sex education uh, for kindergartners, that sort of thing. Um, they, they, always, uh, they always want to control uh, your child. And if they're not controlling your child, they want to make it as, as, difficult as possible for parents to um, opt out to opt out of their mind control games. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. What issues have we not talked about that people want to talk about? Well, I was curious as to how everybody was celebrating pride month. Well, I'm proud to be a straight white male who's married. <laughs> I, I feel bad for Elliot, <laughs> Elliot Page. Huh? Have you heard about Elliot Page? Elliot Page uh, is a, a, an actor who used to go by Ellen Page. And uh, when um, this person was Ellen Page, uh, she was a uh, lesbian woman. But now that she has transitioned uh, to a man, she's a straight white man. And so she's, she's gained all sorts of privilege. You know, she is, uh, as a straight white man, she has the ultimate amount of privilege. Um, and so I, I expect more lesbian women to make this transition, to gain all of this white privilege that, uh, that you guys and myself uh, 
engineer. So that's my lesson for Pride Month, transition to be straight white men. I, well, I like what DeSantis it. did where he signed that bill banning women from, you know, uh, uh, banning transgender male uh, females from competing against biological females in high school sports in, in Florida. I thought that was, a, and the way he did it in a very uh, in your face kind of way to the, to not just uh, the people, the, the transgender community, but the, the NCAA that is apparently threatening to pull events from them. I thought that was a great, you know, great thing. That he my did. understanding is the NCAA has backed down. Well, bullies usually back down when you hey, stand up to them. You know what? And uh, uh, what I loved about what how DeSantis's language—he was calling a spade a spade. He called it discrimination. He called he was you know he was strong in his wording, and we need to protect you know our our women and our girls. That's the kind of language we need to really be sure that we call it what it is. That is discrimination. We need to protect women. And so it gets Not just hard for them to argue, just like what they've been doing, only they've been doing it uh, falsely. And you know, we need to do the same thing, but with truth. Not yeah, I'm going to have to edit that statement out because I believe calling a spade a spade has been deemed horribly I'm racist. Sorry. I'm sorry. Not oh, just the not just canceled. the right language, Jody, but the right tone. Yes, yes. Right? I mean, he he asserted he 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 showed that he had moral self confidence. Yes, I agree. He wasn't going to back down, even if the NCAA pulled pulled things out, and that's really the key. You've got to show that that you're not going to be bullied. Yeah. Well, clearly, yeah. from from a political sp perspective, he knows what Christy Noam did, so he he staked yeah. out right. some some territory that ingratiates himself even more to the right. I still like her. I'm not ready to. Yeah. I still want DeSantis Noam. That's still well, on I, my I'll tell radar. You, I mean, I was just appalled and offended to see that quote from DeSantis saying that uh, girls should be competing against girls and boys should be competing against boys. Horrible. Shocking. I think you need to world. let people know that that's sarcasm, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> I hope it comes across that way. <laughs> but on, on a serious note, I mean, it does get, um, you know, a little bit tiresome, of course, seeing so many of these woke corporations kind of shoving this stuff in her face. I mean, I saw a Mets logo with a rainbow, Hollister, Kellogg's, Kohl's. I mean, you name it, every, every company is on board with this. And, you know, it puts... It puts us, you know, I think people on, with our perspective generally uh, on a, in a tough spot in a way because, you know, I'm, I'm very libertarian to, to each his own, live and let live. I don't care what you do in your bedroom, but I don't like these companies jamming it in my face either. And, you know, part of it too is, you know, I mean, I'm a parent, I have two young girls and you have to start explaining things. I, it, that's where I think I, ha I still have a problem with a lot of what goes on here. You know, uh, my kids were telling me that Skittles, you know, which is usually rainbow, right? Did something with their packaging, changed the color and then made the Skittles gray for the month or something. And I thought, well, does that seem backwards? Shouldn't they be celebrating the rainbow with their, it's almost like backwards to me like you were representing the rainbow why did you stop representing the rainbow for rainbow month 
It doesn't make sense to me. The, the story that, or the subject that we haven't talked about today that I thought we were going to talk a little about was, is just Trump. Um, I, and there were two things. I mean, one, the, the New York state attorney general is, has opened a criminal probe of, of Trump. Um, and so it's obvious that they're going to continue going after him and uh, until he winds up facing criminal prosecution and potentially jail. Um, and also Trump himself is, is on a new speaking tour and I'm, I'm getting, you know, solicitations for donations and you can win a spot to see Trump come speak. And, um, I, I don't know that he's decided to run again, but, um, we've been talking a lot about DeSantis in this, in this week's show and in previous week's shows. And, and I, it really is starting to bother me that Trump won't go away. Um, you know, DeSantis is stepping up and, and quite frankly, he's stepping up in ways that Trump had the, the ability and the opportunity to do, and he just didn't. And it, to me, it's, it's time for Trump to say, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to yield the stage. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's just, you know, and it's not like he and DeSantis could run together on a ticket because they're both from Florida. So they would lose Florida's electoral votes if they did. Um, and I, I just think that his, his time has, has passed. I mean, and, you know, he, he came out in support of, of Greg Abbott in, in Texas, who in my opinion is, is a fake Republican leader. Uh, he's not been, he's not taken a strong stand. Uh, you know, the Texas border situation is outrageous. Abbott should be sending the Texas reserves and the Texas national guard to the border. He should be directing the legislature in Texas to be passing any laws that he needs necessary that, that Abbott might think are necessary to prevent smuggling across the border so that, uh, they can be enforcing Texas law uh, because, you know, under the Arizona case that got litigated under Obama, they can't enforce federal law, but they can enforce state law that doesn't conflict with federal law. So they need to make sure they have laws on the books that, uh, that prohibit people from, from invading the, the state. And Abbott's not pushing for that. He's not pushing for legislation. He's not sending his... Uh, Texas, you know, National Guard to the to the border, um, and and that's something that you know a real Republican, a real conservative would be would be doing. I think if DeSantis were, were governor of Texas, he'd be. I mean, not just for show, but it, because it's the right thing to do, but but also for show to to let people know, hey, I am the leader that that this uh, Republican Party needs, and uh, you know the same way that DeSantis is, you know, who who was it just a few minutes ago that said that. You know, he, he showed up Christy Nome a little bit. You know, DeSantis knows what he needs to do. He knows what people want to want to see, what what actions need to be taken. And, and I think Abbott is just defaulting. I think he's derelict in his duty, frankly. But Trump just endorsed him. Um, I can sum up my uh, my views on Trump by saying this. In 2016, I was an anti-Trumpist for Trump. In 2020, I was a pro-Trumpist for Trump. Me too. And now in 2024, I'm going to be a pro-Trumpist against Trump. I've kind of... He, I think he, that's, he, that describes me as well. I, I'm, I'm not anti-Trump, but I don't want him to run. I would prefer he stay away. Uh, behind the scenes, I, I, fine, but he needs to not be present. 
We need someone more effective, more yeah. who understands how to run uh, an administration, how to fill it with people who are um, loyal to his ideals rather than um, people who are going to undermine him at every step. I mean, you're not going to be a bat 100%, but you don't need to. You only need to bat, what, 30%? You need 30% of the people in right. your administration who agree with you, right? Because you never get 100. But I mean, well, Trump that, had but it's, one. It's obvious. It's obvious to me that, number one, that this, this is from Trump's perspective, that this is just personal. He wants, you know, he feels like he got cheated. He feels like he got robbed. We all feel it. But I mean, I can move on from it without saying, mm-hmm. you know, all oh, the election was fair. I mean, I still want to see what the audit results turn out to be. Um, I still think that the election was stolen from him, but sometimes the bad guys win and you just got to move on. And, and the bad guys beat Trump. That's just it. And it, and him going to try and get personal vindication just pisses me off. Well, there uh, may, th- that may be at play, but we're also dealing with a very highly narcissistic ego. Right. Well, that's part <laughs> that, of why that, I, does, I that isn't rational doing. to most people. Folks, nobody yeah. in politics doesn't have a highly narcissistic. Yeah, ego. yeah, yeah. 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 I, I was going to say I, that I, too. Trump, you can't Trump, get there without it. Trump's is in the stratosphere. But I got to tell you something. I have it on pretty high authority that DeSantis has the charisma of a wet noodle and that he can't win. And that that is very disappointing because right now- Who Paul, says that? Um, I don't see that at all. I'm so curious. What, really? I'm not going to mention names, but yes. And that it's he probably is the best governor in the States right now, but there's going to be a lot of worry. He just not, he's not an effective public he's speaker. He's not going to cut it. He's not an effective Ooh, I don't like it. Let the left have, I'd like to see, have the left need to, to build their own new narrative about what, how evil DeSantis is. They don't have to build anything. They've already got the narrative for Trump being evil. And, and why do we have to fight that? Um, Trump couldn't fight it. Trump didn't effectively combat it. So uh, to me, it's just, it's time to, for him to move on. It's time for us to move on. I don't know. I just don't know if charisma has, if uh, DeSantis has the charisma to get anywhere. I'm not saying this firsthand, so I really don't follow him on TV or anything. I don't know, but that's what's being said. Look. You don't know what somebody's going to look like until they're on that stage. Right. M- Michael Bloomberg got on that stage and he wilted. You know, so that was hey, people underperform, but the overperforming may be a lot trickier if you don't have much of a history of that. I'm hopeful. Gosh, I hope that. I mean, like Mike, like you said, you don't know until you know. But geez. Look, yeah, I mean, we built we build these people up. But, you know, mm-hmm. again, I, I'm going to take the extreme position, which I always do, this country is not savable with a president or a Congress or even a judiciary. You cannot move this boat anymore. It's interesting you guys caught that Matt Gates reminding us that we have a second amendment so that we can have an armed rebellion. Yeah, I saw that. That's pretty wild. Did he really want to say that? I think he did. I think he's a firebrand. And I think that's one of the reasons why I like him. And I think well, it's one of the reasons I mean, why he's the not the first to say stuff him. like that. Right. I mean, that's he's not the first to say it's pretty strong. Um, unfortunately, a GG ticket can't work a Gates Green ticket because they're too regional, I believe. But that would definitely be a lot of fire, wouldn't it? Too much, I, I think. Would. And now I already have the, the uh, motto, the GG ticket. I'm going to have to copyright that in the one in a billion that that ever happens. 
They're um, already on tour together. They've been I, doing. I, that's what I'm saying. They are on tour together. Yeah. Isn't there, who's that famous Gigi somebody? Uh, well, there was a movie Gigi won Best Picture. Isn't there like a cultural icon Gigi something or another? I'm very challenged culturally. G-I-G-I? -I? I don't know. No? Oh, good. Okay. Well, that means either I'm crazy or I'm not as culturally uh, challenged as I think I am, which is good. Okay. Anybody want to bring anything else up or make any kind of closing remarks? Leave that to the host. What do you say, Mike? I'll leave that to the host. Go ahead, Ed. Yeah, no, I, th I mean, I, I think we've covered a lot of topics. I mean, to me, the... You know, like I've said during during the show, I think that we're we're in the process of transitioning to a temporary normalcy, uh, not for the purpose of getting back to normal for forever, but I really think that they're fomenting the next crisis for next year <sighs> for the election, and uh, you know, I would say it's probably going to hit sometime sometime during the third quarter. Uh, the third quarter is July one to September thirtieth. Maybe uh, maybe add an extra two or three weeks to that to into October, but uh, that's when I think the next crisis is going to hit us, and uh, I think they're working on it as we speak. Oh, you know, you know, wow. I gotta I gotta say I, I don't I could see something like that backfiring, Ed. You know, after so. after everything that we've been through, and I don't think people really like crisis so much. They may acquiesce, but I, I think when there's crisis. The party in power generally gets hurt by it. Um, you know what, Mike? I would partially agree with you if we were talking about people, not sheeple. Maybe. Yeah. I could, I could people, be wrong. People rally around a wartime president. And, and second, I, I think the crisis is going to be economic and financial. And well, that, I think would it's not, be, that would not be good for I, Biden. No, I don't I think, think that would be good be for Biden. Biden. I think it's going to be there the opportunity that they use to implement a digital currency, um, and a digital currency allows them to have control over things like advertisements. I, I I know what you're getting at in terms of what they're trying to do, but I'm talking politically. I I just don't see an economic crisis benefiting the incumbent party or president. Well, I agree. We'll it could be something else. It could be it could be a war. As I also alluded to earlier, uh, they different. keep fomenting a war with China oh, or with Russia. Yeah, they're for taking out the beef supply, right? Are we following that story? No. Um, Ed P, you're aware of the story? Apparently, they hacked into JBS, which is some beef supplier, and it's oh, knocking out know. a quarter of the beef in the country. Right. Oh, uh, the beef. Where's the beef? There's the beef, exactly. <laughs> Listen, I, I was happy. A whole I, new spin on that. <laughs> I was happy I could buy gasoline anywhere and anytime I wanted. I, I think that was exciting. I have no idea how a this is or slaughterhouses, how, how a cyber attack could take out slaughterhouses. Slaughterhouses are computerized or something <laughs> now. I don't get that. The cows come in, you cut them up. But the machines won't do it. Is it? I, I don't. I don't get it. Well, if you don't get it, we don't get it because you're our tech person. <laughs> Anybody want to comment on what happened with the Democrats walking out of the uh, legislature in Texas? You got to fill us in on that one. I think. Yeah. I mean, I'll just say. I mean, 
you know, our side is threatening to do that if they try and pass HR one in the Senate. You know, the the Republicans are talking about preventing a quorum from being uh, held in the in the Senate. Um, I mean, that's just that's that's part of the games that that legislators play. I mean, you know, sometimes when you back us to the wall, you got to take extreme measures. I, you know, how often has that been used then in Congress? In Congress, I don't know if it's ever been used in Congress, but I do remember. I think it was, I forget when it was, but ten or fifteen years ago, there were a bunch of legislators that that actually went across a state line in Wisconsin, to- wasn't it? And they sent out the the uh, yeah, it happened. They it, or something. It happened somewhere else too, like Washington State or something. Yeah. But I mean, is this a good thing, a bad thing? I don't know, but it's I'm just asking. And Abbott's supposedly going to dock their pay. Um, I don't know if he will or if he won't. I don't know. This is not a democracy. And so I don't care. But I do care when the media, uh, whenever anybody on the right does something even vaguely decent, um, they're accused of being Mm anti-democratic. But when, uh, when people like the Texas Democrats do something that is clearly Mm anti-democratic. I mean, clearly Um, they're praised as heroes of, of, you know, voting rights or whatever. It's ridiculous. Par for the course. That's the strategy. Well, we're back to the media. I have Mm -hmm. one, I have one last thing. I I don't think you talked about it last week, but um, you saw the former uh, wrestler, now pseudo actor, John John Cena. Uh, apologize profusely in mm-hmm. Mandarin for calling inadvertently just calling Taiwan a country and um, the apparently the uh, whatever movie he's in ha- dropped off precipitously in China's box office um, after he said Taiwan was a country so that's the that's not the Chinese government not buying those movie tickets that's the Chinese people. And uh, I, I, first of all, the, the idea that you would profusely apologize to a communist dictatorship is ridiculous. It's really weird. So I, I hereby say that Taiwan is and of right ought to be an independent state. And uh, I am not going Here to- Here we go. We're going to get banned. I mean, you don't, you don't think uh, the, people of, the, the people of China would be afraid to go to a movie at that point with that guy that they no. were just of their, I mean, you know, <laughs> no, they, they, the Chinese are bad, but they don't have the Stasi, you know? <laughs> yeah. I, I, that's I, a good, I think that's a good way to end Ed. Taiwan is a country. I think we should all be able to say that. Well, can someone teach us how to say that in Mandarin, if that's what they speak. I think there's an app for that. Yeah. Go to Google, 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 Google Translate. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm not trying it because I know how my accent will embarrass me horribly. Okay, with that, we'll wrap up for today. We'll be up as a podcast very, very shortly after the end of the show. As always, please share feedback with us. What we can do more of, less of, and better by sending an email to ejsshow at protonmail.com. See you all next week. Thank you very much. Have a wonderful day.